This is Training Talk. Training Talk is your regular update on the fast-paced and ever-changing world of demolition training. Hello, and welcome to episode four of Training Talk. And boy, do we have a big show for you this time around. We met up with Danny Kearney of ProSafe Consultants, who, together with C&D Demolition Consultancy, recently launched a new adult mental health awareness course. Now, I met with Danny in a pub, which explains some of the background noise you will hear in this episode. It might also explain why the resulting episode is not so much an interview as a conversation about a subject that is currently at the forefront of the demolition industry's mind. Danny is clearly well-read and well-informed. He's also disarmingly frank and honest about his own mental health issues and how they helped steer him towards creating a course to help demolition professionals identify and deal with those suffering from depression or other mental health issues of their own. I'll warn you now, this is a long episode. In fact, it's almost 50 minutes long, making it our longest episode ever. But the conversation covers a lot of ground, and Danny is engaging throughout. So you can either save this for your next long car journey, or you can just jump straight in. And we start with why Danny, ProSafe and C&D Demolition Consultancy are looking to raise industry awareness of mental health issues now. I mean, look, there's no, there's no denying that, um, that mental health first aid is, is a hot topic, if you like, and it's, it's the topic that everyone's talking about. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that that's, it's time that we had that now because you can look at the statistics which are you know they're bikini statistics aren't they they, they, they don't show you everything you know they, they show you a lot but not everything but you say oh well one in four people will have you know depression or a mental health condition I think the reality is bigger than that that there are more people than that we only know that based on what's been diagnosed or what's been um, recorded and and I've worked in industries the military the offshore oil industry, the construction industry, I'm, I've been self-employed, you know, and all these different things. And I've witnessed now, certainly knowing what I know, a huge amount of mental ill health. And we're all on this continuum. Every one of us is on it. There's, there's no mental health without mental ill health. We're somewhere on the sliding scale and that can change from day to day. It can be progressively, it can get progressively worse as over a period of time and then get progressively better over a period of time it can be up and down it can take years you can be in a cycle for several years of a low point and then find happiness elsewhere so we, we need to talk about it I'm conscious that it doesn't become this or get labelled with a classic bandwagon you know tag which really frustrates me you know everybody's jumping on the mental health bandwagon and I don't want it to be that, and I don't want people to come to courses or for me to go and talk to people and then think, I'm just listening to this because it's a bandwagon. I want it to be accepted and folded into the norm. The NDTG have added mental health slides to the end of some of their courses now, which I think is a great step. One or two slides just to bring the awareness um, and, and get the instructors just to raise the awareness that it isn't a taboo subject. And that's a positive step. Just get somebody just to talk about it, even if it's taking the mick out of it. Oh, have you heard about all this mental health awareness stuff? Talk to your buddies, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, put your arm out of you know. But ultimately, that achieves something because the conversation's been started and it gives somebody the option then to go and ask to know where to find the information. The, the crazy thing with that is the, the statistics 
speak for themselves. Yes. You know, we're, we're at a position now, and I, I know that uh, health and safety stats for construction and demolition are rolled into one, so we, we yeah. can't put a firm handle on it. But, you know, we, we're, we've whittled it down and whittled it down to the point where I know one death is too many, but we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're killing, in terms of health and safety, we're killing less than 40 people a year now. Yeah, absolutely. And yet, yeah. depression and suicide is killing thousands. Yeah, I, I think the latest statistics, and again, I, you know, I could quote statistics all day, as we all could, I'm sure, um, the latest statistics on the suicides for the last reporting quarter were 5,800, 5,900 suicides. When you when you look at that, um, predominantly, or 75 percent of those being men, 83, 84, 83 men a week, um, you know, taking their own lives or completing suicide, um, to use the sort of more positive terminology, I guess, um, is um, is a big number. But if you add to that or couple to that, the reality that between 10 and 25 times that attempt suicide, it doesn't take long to figure out how many tens of thousands of people are ultimately at a point in their lives where they are, they are, they are hopeless. And to have no hope is well, the lowest point you can be. To think there is nowhere else to go, there is nothing else to do other than end your life, is is sad is really sad so you you hit the nail on the head mark if we can stop one of those by having a conversation or having a bit of banter about it i'm all for bringing humor and bringing the life reality into this it doesn't have to be a somber subject because that doesn't work for a lot of people you know it's the black humor in the police force and the armed services and the fire service and the the, the, the ambulance service that allows those people just to get to the end of the day but it's when they go home and they don't have the ability to offload and that's all we're trying to do we're just trying to create a bit of a friend network so we've we've embraced the fact that we have toolbox talks and that's a weekly checklist isn't it you know have we done your toolbox talks which i hate incidentally because it's not the value of a toolbox talk it should be done out when you're walking around the site looking at a particular job that's how a toolbox talk should work not in an office on a friday afternoon to tick a box I'm not saying everyone does the same but why not get to the point where, yes, we've done our toolbox talk, have we also had 10 minutes just to talk about a relevant subject in the newspaper? It could be something as simple as mo most people think, well, not men, surely, but eating healthily, nutrition for mental health, sleeping properly. I mean, you read the book by Matthew Walker, um, Why We Sleep. It revolutionises the way you think about why you sleep. You know, we, there's a huge percentage of us that are chronically sleep deprived, and that in itself is enough to cause depression, anxiety, anger. Not to mention the fact that you're more likely to be killed by somebody that's fatigued than you are drunk or under the influence of drugs or driving erratically. It's, it's a huge, huge issue. Uh, why aren't we making that a mandatory subject? Why isn't that being picked up by auditors when they're walking around sites or directors of companies when they're walking around sites? Okay, so you don't want to put everyone on a course on your in your business on a mental health first aid course, absolutely, or a, you know a, a mental health awareness course, absolutely. It's not one size fits all, but introduce it, fold it in, but mean it. Get somebody to come and talk to the the, the lads and the lasses on site and make a meaningful change. You know, make a meaningful thing. You, you've come from originally a military background and yeah. now, now you're in demolition. So yeah. 
very gung ho, very macho and, very and, macho. and manly, and, yeah. and, and, and and we don't talk about our feelings and stuff. We don't, no. But equally, I it took me a while to get to the point where I was happy to talk about my mental health, and I remember talking about my own mental health on when I trained as a mental health first aider. And there's very few times I've cried um, in public, but I do cry. I cry at the kids' films, you know, like Up, for example, or something like that. I mean, it was like game over for me. I was snot and tears everywhere. But I, I feel that the reality of, of that emotion that's so powerful enough that it can make you cry that comes from a different place, not because you're sad that the old man's wife's died and he's going to take his house off with balloons. And, and it hit me, I was listening to a guy called Andy Hollinghurst and, and he was a head teacher and he um, talked about his, he came into to the course and he talked about his depression and uh, you know, a tough job, really tough job, but he talked about how he just couldn't cope and, and how he didn't want his family to see him like this and it was, it was emotional and it, it does it now to me, you know, the goosebumps are raising on my arms because I thought to myself, I've been in that situation. I've been that low. I can't ever remember a point where I felt suicidal, which I'm thankful for, but I can't imagine I was far off in some, some of the low points. And it takes a while just to accept that we are not, we are not all invincible. You know, like you say, I've worked in some of the toughest, most hostile places on earth, um, under the th with a threat to your life being constant for several weeks, if not months at a time. Um, and then I've worked offshore where you're away from your friends and your family and you're effectively on a prison, you know, with none of the stuff that you think's helping you, like alcohol and all that. Um, and it's within those groups of people you actually realise that they are very, very soft and kind and loving people. And we'll put their arm around you and we'll ask you if you're okay and we'll rally round if you need a bit of support. But it's hidden, it's, it's self-medicated, it's within them nucleus of people. Unfortunately, we don't tend to have that now. We have a huge amount of peripatetic workers. People come to work together, they work together. There's the language um, differences. So a group of Romanian lads will work with a group of Romanian lads and then they'll go and go their separate ways. They've probably not got access to the information that we've got access to through language or through knowledge. Um, all of our lads come together and then bounce away. People don't tend to go to the pub on a Friday all together and they don't tend to work close by, live close by. All things that isolate us in our own, in plain sight really, you know. Thousands of people everywhere but lonely as hell. And just a conversation, just to say, listen, you don't look yourself, I'm not an expert, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a doctor, but why don't you download the Construction Helpline app and go through that? It's a fantastic resource, it's free, it asks you every day how you're feeling. If you put your feeling a bit low, you can work your way through it and it will give you a bit of advice. And at the end of it, there's resources, videos to watch, or helplines, or you know, various different bits of, sort of information that you can use to help you move forward. I'm answering my own question, but I guess part of the problem with that, aside from the fact that men don't, don't, men talk, don't, about, talk. don't talk about that, but the, I think the other side is, you, you mentioned drinking drugs. Yes. Not, not so much with drugs, but certainly, you know, if somebody's staggering around, mm. it's fairly easy to spot that. If they're, yeah. if they're clearly off their face on drugs, it's easy to spot that. Yeah. 
if somebody, I mean, I, you know, I make no bones about it. I've had my my mental health issues, yeah. but I've been a, a completely fully functioning working member of society. Yeah. Truth be told, most people wouldn't know. Probably apart, apart from my wife and and the kids, mm. nobody would know it was going on. Yeah, that, it's it's kind of an invisible thing, isn't it? It is. It must be. It's intrinsic. If you want it to be intrinsic, um, if you want to hide it, you can hide it. If you look at the um, the, the disability rankings and compare them, the, the physical injuries uh, such as a stroke, somebody with moderate to sit to severe depression has the same disability ranking um, in so much as the effect on their life, somewhere around 0 0.5, 0 0.6, you know, 0 0.1 being you know, dead, or 0 being dead, 1 being perfectly healthy, rather, um, as somebody that's had a stroke. So if you were to walk into site and you'd, you'd suffered a stroke, the first aiders would be rushing around thinking fast, right, his face, yeah, his arm, okay, yeah, his speech, Oh, blimey, we've got to get this guy some help. But you can walk into that site a thousand times whilst with moderate to severe depression and jump straight in your machine or jump straight into your crane or jump straight onto the end of a Kango or doing what you're supposed to be doing and your head's in a completely different space. You're not safe to yourself. You're not safe to your colleagues. So businesses have a... a you know, a legal responsibility to look after the health and safety and well-being of their employees. You have a responsibility to look after your own under Section 7 of the Health and Safety Work Act. So it stands to reason that there's a legal requirement here as well, let alone just the moral reasons for doing it. But yeah, you're right. It, 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 it can be hidden in plain, in plain sight. You know, there it is. This guy walking around carrying all this stuff on his own shoulders, but we're not going to talk about it. Men aren't going to talk about it. Men will self-medicate self-harm effectively through drinking and alcohol self-harm doesn't have to look like neat parallel cuts on the thighs of a 13 or 14 year old girl um it because it, 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 it isn't always that but drinking heavily and taking drugs and i'm talking from experience here you know trying to find the answers at the bottom of a you know bottle of whiskey is is self-harm the resulting of that is that you drink alcohol, it affects the quality of your sleep, so you feel like you've slept like a log, but you haven't, you haven't had anywhere near the restorative qualities of sleep that you need. Therefore, you're getting up the next day chronically sleep deprived. You then eat crap, because that's what you do when you're tired. You eat, you know, classic Bridget Jones, you emotionally eat, so you, you eat, you have your Red Bull, you have your Mars bar for your breakfast to get you going, you have a full fry up then you have a sugary or a, you know a sort of fatty sort of greasy lunch or dinner because you're going to go and have a few more beers again that night and all those things push you towards uh, a really really poor mental a state of mental health so obviously i mean you, you you've mentioned the fact that there is that there is potentially a a bandwagon um yeah for, for mental health but what what you're doing with the with the training course is I guess he's, he's equipping an industry that he's just starting to realise mm. that probably the biggest health and safety issue they're likely to face is one of mental health. Yeah. How do you go about... Take me through the course. How does, how does the course work? Because it's not that you're treating mental health mm. sufferers. It's teaching people to recognise and to help, isn't it? That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Look, there's, there's always 
apprehension when we do these courses because there's a conflict there's a business conflict because you have HR or the directorship of the business that's looking and saying hang on a minute if we acknowledge or accept that we've got a stress problem or that our work is causing stress um, we've got to do something about that we're going to have productivity loss if we start you know what do we do how do we do it the reality is it's always going to be there. It's going to be a negative to the business. It's going to cost the business in the long term anyway. It's the, one of the leading causes of, of sickness and ill health. It costs the UK £105 billion a year in mental health. Unfortunately, there's only 1% of the NHS budget is actually accounted to cover it and, it, and it just can't cope. So what we're going to do is, or what we are doing and what is happening, we can offer a mental health awareness. So we'll talk about much the same as you and I are now, We'll talk about what is mental health, what is poor mental health, where do we sit, how do we see that? So we look at everybody on a continuum of poor mental health to positive mental health, and then we look at things like our frame of reference, how you might look at it as Mark Anthony, how I might look at it as Danny Kearney, through our filters, through our own experiences in life, through our own current life experiences, and try and make sure we filter that out and just look at the person that's in front of us. We'll cover a various stock suite of mental health illnesses. It, it's, it's brief for the mental health awareness, but it gives people an idea of what those mental health illnesses look like and what those behaviours look like. And talking about behaviours, we're talking about self-harming, we're talking about some of the obsessive-compulsive disorders. Um, we talk about mental health illness, depressions, anxieties, um, psychotic disorders like schizophrenia bipolar disorder formerly known as manic depression you know but this cyclical famously portrayed I guess with Stephen Fry and um, Robin Williams and people like that and give the people that are on the course an opportunity to bombard us with questions ask us what they all mean how they all fit together um, and give them a few basic tools certainly on the, the mental health awareness course give them some basic tools like the, like the action for happiness which is actionforhappiness.org which is the website and um, take 10 together so taking 10 minutes and some, some useful tips around how you actually listen because as we know we talk more than we listen and we don't get any formal listening training Bear Grylls recently has just been talking about how they're trying to teach the scouts to listen, to listen properly, to train them to listen properly, listen to what people are saying. You can then do a, uh, a one-day course where you become a mental health champion and we go into a little bit more depth around that and we base that course around you as the attendee creating your own case study. So we'd say, okay, Mark, what are you going to do? And you say, right, I'm... You know, in my group, we've got a black middle-aged lady um, whose son has just left for university. Um, she's gone part-time, empty nest. Um, her husband left a few years ago. She's feeling very lonely. She's starting to experience these feelings. And we build a case study throughout the day. And then we use that case study to try and understand a bit about how mental health affects her, how it affects the broader audience, the broader, the, the broader um, sort of demographic, whether it's that her particular demographic or another, um, and use that and use our tools to try and understand it. With the aim being that when you go away, you're not afraid when somebody comes to you or says something, and you're also not afraid to go and speak to somebody and ask them a question. We're not creating clinicians, 
we're not creating psychiatrists. What we're creating is people that have got the confidence to go and ask a question and then the toolkit or the resources at hand to be able to say, I think it'd be a good idea to go and see a GP or have you thought about looking at this free resource which is available on you know actionforhappiness.org or the Mind website or the MHFA website. NDTG, the National Demolition Training Group, is the leader in specialist demolition training courses. Here for all your CCDO card needs. Choose open courses or on-site training. And with training endorsed by Build UK and CITB, why train with anyone else? Be smart. Contact NDTG today. Visit ndtg.training or call 01442 217144 and hit option two. The next step from that is the two day, the mental health first aid. And this is where we really, we really start to put a lot of emphasis on how we're going to approach and assist people who we feel or know to be um, suffering with a mental illness, whether they've approached us, whether we've approached them, whether we've been asked by somebody in our company to have that conversation with them. That's the, the tools at which we use, and we'll use a, um, a system that's been developed by MHFA, which looks at how we're going to assess them. We do exercises on listening. We give advice. We don't. Uh, we give information rather. We don't give advice because we're not. So we can give information, and then we can encourage support, and we can encourage other supports. So we can encourage professional help. Would be the first step. GP. Um, you know, IAPT, which is improving access to psych psychiatric treatments. Um, again, a free referral system, just because of the period of time it can take to be referred to GP. And then encouraging other supports, which is a bit where I want to come to. I want to get to the point where we're encouraging other supports early on, so it doesn't get to the point where people are having to go through poor mental health or ultimately be diagnosed and have poor mental health. We want to try and keep them up in what we refer to as quadrant one, which is good mental health with no diagnosis. And that's where we want them to be. And with that, we look at some of those additional areas, which is nutrition, how you can do that, fitness, sleep, bibliotherapy, reading about your symptoms, understanding them, trying to find other ways to do it. You know, maybe support through creative arts, maybe support through volunteering, things like giving, and letting people understand how these work. Now, I'm told quite often that the courses are cathartic for a lot of people because they come and go, actually, it's really useful for me understanding my own mental health and where I sit and where my vulnerability is and where my stress container is and how close I am to my emotional snapping point and everything else. But it gives you the confidence then, if somebody says they are going to kill themselves, to know exactly what you should do and what the right thing is to do, not, not allow the myths that surround these really scary taboo subjects to come into play. So something like a, a mental health awareness course? Yeah. Who, we're obviously talking about demolition here, who is that aimed at? I would aim that, if you look at the, what we've tried to sort of say is if you treat mental health first aiders, much the same as you would with your physical first aiders, so you're not going to have loads of three-day first aid 
um, aiders at work if you've not got a very high risk business where if you've got a business where there's a lot of people a lot of peripatetic workers a lot of stress or a lot of ability for stress to be generated you would have two or three full-time you know two-day first aid mental health first aiders you'd probably make a selection of line managers strokes or gang managers one day champions but for me the awareness should shoot across the business as best as it can you know as many people as we can get aware get them aware and that doesn't have to mean a half day mhfa course or a half day british safety council course because there's a huge expense to that but it should be using you know the knowledge in the industry the knowledge around this the people that we've got around us the in-house facilities that a lot of these businesses have got it could be done over a period of, of a campaign which is the same as we do a safety campaign of pretty well thought out toolbox talks you know and then maybe a plenary or a guest speaker at the end of it or, or an hour an hour an hour and a half seminar sort of sweep up talk about how that month's worth of toolbox talks when trying to ask out a few questions encourage the businesses to to augment their employee assistance packages if they have one or adopt one if they haven't so there's a there's a helpline get everyone to download the construction helpline app so they they all know they've got somewhere to go to if they need to ask a question and there's free advice available make them aware of the samaritans make them aware of the first aiders within the business and that's the thing that i think we need to do it doesn't have to cost a lot of money it just needs to be thorough valid and meaningful this is going beyond really the remit of, of what you do but i remember when I, I was looking at the subject of drink and drug testing yeah. in, in the demolition business and and the responsibility upon the employer yeah. to handle that and to you know offer help and, and, mm. and, and assistance so for example i you know i run a demolition company and, yeah. and i've been through the first aid the, the mental health first aid course and i find that, that one of my guys or a couple of my guys are yeah. are having problems what, what do I do with that? Because one of the things that came out in the drink and drug thing was you, you basically need it written into the terms and conditions of employment in what, how you're going to handle it, whether yeah. you're going to offer them rehab or, yeah. or, or, yeah. Whatever, or guidance or whether you just say, actually, you're a danger to, to yourself and others, stop, yeah. the end. We have, we have this discussion and we get this uh, question a lot on the courses and it's not covered in the syllabuses. There are resources and line manager and... Um, the details available but what I'm doing now I'm being political about it and I'm scaring around the question the, the answer to the question for me is that if Jack and John came to site John had a broken wrist and Jack had a broken finger your employer would say you can't work and it's not your employer's responsibility unless of course he injured those people to do a great deal more about it other than look, listen, let me know if, if they've got sick pay, they've got sick pay, or if not, whatever, however it works. Let me know when you fit to come back to work, when you've been signed off by your doctor, um, and come back to work. And then to manage that progression back into work somehow and deal with it. The same's got to be said for, for mental health, um, for mental health, in so much as if somebody is suffering with depression or anxiety or something like that, they're a danger to themselves or a danger to the workforce. So you've got to treat them the same as you would if somebody had come in and they've got a splinter in their eye, you're not going to put them in a machine. Now, the scary bit about it, I think, is that there's such a huge amount of this out there that's undiagnosed, um, that businesses are thinking, blimey, I could lose half my workforce. And 
who's going to foot the bill. The reality is different. The reality is that if the businesses take the charge and look at how they're treating their staff and see if there's anything they can do just to augment or improve, just the, purely the fact of having a phone line available for people to ring up and talk to them could be really helpful. It could give people just that question that they dare not ask. Um, it could give them the answer to them. For me, with my mental health first, uh, with my mental health, um, sort of str- not struggles, but I guess when I left the forces, I uh, there was a culmination of a lot of pressure from the last few years that I'd had in the forces, some of the places I'd served, the fear of the unknown going into Civvy Street, so effectively being transported from a 16-year-old, when, which was the last time I was in Civvy Street, to seven a bit years down the line when I needed I couldn't get away with just saying I'm only 16 gov living at home you know and earning a bit of cash in hand it was I was straight into an adulthood and and that put me under a lot of pressure and I you know I dipped and dipped and dipped and clipped the trees and I went to see a guy in a, in a system uh, that was at the time I'm not sure what it's called now it's called MAP which was the mental health the mental health assistance program for ex-servicemen and the guy was helpful ex-military special forces guy and he just treated me the way that he knew I needed to be treated well this is a fact this is a fact this is a fact you've got problems with money go to this debt helpline you've got problems with drinking you're not sleeping properly go to see this guy this nutritionist there's a lot of things that we can do as businesses you don't have to wrap people up in cotton wool in my opinion rightly or wrongly and, you know, whoever listens to it, I'm sure will have their opinions. But I'm not here to say, that's it, everybody. Put padding around everything, you know. Don't let people work longer than three hours a day and make sure they've all got a pina colada, non-alcoholic, of course, no caffeine content at the end of it because of all those stimuli. I'm far from that. Far from saying, don't have a drink after work. I'm just saying, let everyone know that Life is stressful and there are a lot of things to do with it, but give them the opportunity to talk about it and give them the tools for them to sort their own lives out. It's no different. It's no different to having flu and not being able to go to work, in my opinion. Yes, it's really, really completely different from, from that in, in a lot of respects, but the inputs that are causing that stress aren't all work-related. And if they are all work-related, then they can be dug out and the companies have got to answer to that ultimately or do something to support that worker you've mentioned the word stress a few times and anxiety yeah. and everything else and, and, and obviously I, you know, I've, I've written about this in the past so I've been I've trodden this path a few times yeah, okay. one of the things that, that comes up a lot is the fact that construction and demolition is kind of like the, the perfect breeding ground for depression yeah. you've got job insecurity yeah. I'm not entirely sure where the next pay packet's coming from yeah you can be isolated at work and you know, working away from home for mm. long periods and that kind of thing. For all the good you're doing with mental health awareness and, and, and people sitting in the courses, surely we, we need some sort of paradigm shift within the way that the work is done. That's, that's the fix, really, isn't it? It is, and work is longer and harder. We no longer all live round or within a mile of the local factory that starts at eight and finishes at four when the bell rings and we go and have a pint and a pot of dripping and go home and you know your wife's been at home all day and your ironing's done and she doesn't need to work because you can afford to live on one wage you know that is that's as far out of the reality 
now as to what as living on the moon is in, in fairness you bang on the money those guys and girls are coming in and they're traveling an hour and a half probably to get there because they can't afford to live anywhere near where they work that's coming out of their wage packet they're tired they're probably having a few jars at night so they're not sleeping well their wives and partners and girls and boyfriends or whatever are almost certainly having to work if they're not working they're looking after a, a brace of kids because it's the same you and i have both got big families that need supporting and there's no getting away from that and that's why i think it's really important to try and focus on there are companies so going off tracks like there are companies out there that are doing a 12-hour door-to-door policy um, and it's being driven out of hs2 primarily i think it was i think it was kelpray um, when I, I did their annual audit for them for the nfdc and they were talking about this 12-hour door-to-door policy which, which is fantastic you know to think that you leave at six you've been home by six you know i, I like that idea doesn't take away from the fact that job insecurity are you earning enough money are you getting enough sleep and everything else that goes with it the only way that that will change is if businesses say these are our working hours you know and this is we'll support you through this we'll give you extra for this we'll give you extra through that and that will only come if the clients accept that this is what the cost of the job is and if the clients don't accept it then the ultimate person spending the money accepts that this is the cost of the job but of course you and i both know that the reality is regardless of a lot of what what a lot of companies say and some of them aren't all about the money and it's the the money that causes the you know that wins the job and it's take it takes the the courage i think if that's the right word of companies probably like help ray and both bt i know do it to turn around and say this is what the job costs and this is where we spend our money. This is on the training. You're paying for this much training. You're paying this much towards the academy. And the academy is teaching the new entrants that are going to come and keep the industry alive when we're all out of the industry. And this is what we put aside because we need to pay everyone this living wage. We need to make sure that we give them this. We need to make sure that they're not out of the house for longer than 12 hours because who wants to be out of the house for longer than, than you're in the house. And then focus again around making sure that nutrition is, you know, people are eating properly. And again, you can only do that if you've got the right living wage because to eat healthily is not cheap. Education around your physical health and your, your alcohol and drug consumption, legal or illegal. A bit about other opportunities, uh, you know, to improve stuff. But fundamentally, it's, it's money driven and it's got to come from the top down it's got to be that it's accepted that there is an allowance within for this you know to be taken on board much the same as there is now there's no question whatsoever that ppe is allowed for in a quote you know 1992 the ppe regulations came out i think didn't they with the european six pack and within that there was the argy bargy around i can't wear these bloody hats what's all this about boots i've now i've never worn bloody boots on sites you feel naked if you walked on the site with that hat now and there wouldn't be a person on there that wouldn't say where's your hat mate you've got your hat you've got your hat you've got your hat it's it's there and we're 25 years behind australia in this mental health campaign and the way that we're dealing with it they've saw this and they've had these problems and they've had these conversations 25 years ago with the miners 
again, exactly what you're saying. Peripatetic working, working away, being away from your families, long stressful hours, hard work, everything that we know this industry does to people. So we've only got to look to these other countries that have been implemented, namely Australia, I guess, and get working groups together, get heads together, get the heads of businesses together, and be genuine and say, this is going to cost the industry money, but just because it costs the industry money, doesn't mean it shouldn't cost the onward client the money because why should we foot the bill when the whole thing we're doing is for the onward client and then it'll eventually start to hit the the note that there's another line in the quotation that is okay it won't be as black and white as there's ten thousand pound for mental health but there'll be an acknowledgement that these are the working hours for the business this is what we provide our employees this is what the welfare looks like this is what this looks like we allow x amount of days for volunteering we allow x amount of days for this that and the other and that's the price of your job do you want it mister and eventually that will start to roll down look there's people that still haven't got suitable welfare on sites you know builders that are still shitting in buckets we're a million miles away from getting it where we need it but it's got to start somewhere the lighthouse charity that, that are, are, are championing it um, Mind, MHFA, some big campaigns coming out from a lot of the big boys in the construction and they'll filter down an RBN campaign by some of the big boys in demolition. That's where it's got to be. We mentioned the fact that we demolition macho and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But also, I mean, there are lots of words I'd, I'd use to describe demolition, sort of hard-nosed and tough and yeah. rough and all those sort of things. Empathy wouldn't be... <laughs> No. Wouldn't be high on the list. What sort of feedback are you getting? Are, are, are demolition companies actually receptive? Are they aware of of their responsibilities? And certainly are. Spoke with Adrian Armack. He, he was really positive. We did the chat at the RD meeting, and he was really positive about it. And he says, "I know I've got to do this, that, and the other." And and he's he's the same as you. How do I, you know, how do I get these hard-nosed demolition guys to accept that someone's going to come up to them and say, "I've got a problem with this. I've got a problem with that." I think we're a bit more fearful of that than we need to be because, you know, as I told you, I came into the industry a relatively short while ago and didn't start off swinging a mattock around, certainly not on demolition. I've done my, my manual work and I've, and I've done it, a lot of it. And it took me a while to be accepted as what I was. I never promised I was anything else. But I talk about mental health now in the courses and I talk about it when I go on sites. I ask people how they are and they look at me a little bit cross-eyed but they also know that I'm serious. And for me to be able to stand there and say, you're not getting any more macho of industries or um, of blokes in fairness a few years ago, I would never show any emotion, you know, three or four years ago to, to ask somebody, how are you feeling? And, you know, do you want to go and have a cup of tea? There's a lot more people out there than we give credit for that will actually look after that and, and actually acknowledge it. And they'll do it in a different way to what we might do it, to what a nurse might do it to another nurse or to how a firefighter might do it to another firefighter. But in their own way, they will support the people around them. And I think we underestimate that. We underestimate it of the industry. Um, we underestimate it of the people within the industry as well. Some recent project some one of the guys lost his brother he's straight up out top man demolition man effing and blinding blah 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 you this you that blah blah blah, blah. when i took him to one side and said listen look 
might have been of absolutely no interest to I know we're not close friends but I've known him for a while but we're not friends close friends in so much as we go for a pint together or anything like that so this might be of no interest to you mate says, but my ears are open I know what you're going through um, although I can't sympathise I can certainly empathise and I've got resources a lot of knowledge and resources available to me for stuff that might help you or your family out you know and through this what's going to be a pretty shitty time and I had a butterfly in my throat thinking he's going to almost you know if you can imagine you, you sort of hard right wing trying to tell your hard right wing dad that you're going out with Bill for the first time you know that that you can imagine that or you know years and years ago your daughter coming back with an Asian guy from down the you know that that was the feeling I had I thought to myself I just spoke to this hard demolition man and said look I know you hurt him mate but talk to me and he turned around and he went do you know what I'll take you up on that and we went and had a cup of tea and he told me how painful it was and he told me how much it was hurt and he had you could see he had tears in the corner of his eyes but he had no qualms of talking to me effectively an apparent stranger in the grand scheme of things a lot closer people around him in 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 talking so that restored my faith that actually we're not we're not all that cold hearted you know and the men are out to look after each other there's a massive thing there's a massive stigma around it which is the problem you know, we didn't mention that earlier I think it's important that people know that there's a massive stigma around it like there's been stigma around every other bloody thing that is now completely normal and completely accepted not by everybody of course but you know we're 10 miles away from Brighton and I walk around Brighton you know and there's absolutely every colour, shade, shape of relationship you could ever think of. And I don't walk around and come back and go, oh my God, like I would if I'd just been to some tropical zoo. It's, it's not, there's no stigma attached to that for me. And this will be the same. And I know for a fact the people that I've spoken to, the courses that I've delivered, whether it be demolition courses, whether it be mental health courses, that stigma is definitely, barriers are definitely breaking down. And I've had, 40, 50, 60 year old guys in there. My dad's attended this course, who's 70 this month. And he's an opinionated old guy. You know, he's come from a, from a difficult, tough upbringing, you know, Irish dad, don't show your emotion, all that type of stuff. He came away with a different point of view. Everyone comes away with a different point of view. And it's about understanding that the stigma is a barrier to anything. You know, this stigma is a major problem and judgment so if we can just teach people to be less judgmental which is really difficult really 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 difficult because we have thought disorders or thought distortions if you like we catastrophize we we mind read yeah well i know what he'll think he'll think i'm just a nutter that's mind reading we can't do that that's you don't know what that person's going to think you know by telling them and catastrophizing that He'll tell the boss, the boss will sack me, that's it, my wife will leave me. That's not a reality, that doesn't happen. And we've just got to get them points across. Talk to people. Your initial reaction to the person you talk to might go, you sound like a nutter. You know, a classic stigmatising word. But that's the language you speak, and that's the language they speak, and you say, well, I feel like a nutter but what can I do about it? Because it doesn't feel normal, it doesn't feel right, whatever your normal is, whatever your right is. And we've got to just get to that point where you coming onto site and saying to me, morning Dan, I go, morning Mark, how are you feeling? All right, do you know what, I'm feeling a bit low this morning. 
let's have a cup of tea at 10 o'clock. I'm just, just going to get a couple of things off my chest. Just, if you don't mind, I'm just going to give you a bit of an ear bashing because that in itself can be enough to stop it from cascading down, tripping over a curb, getting splashed by a car, and then dropping your 10p for your trolley or your quid for your trolley at the supermarket and thinking, right, that's it, it's the fucking end of the world. Because it isn't. It's just your brain lets you think that and lets you go down that route. Very rarely does anyone walk into an office and go, morning, everybody, you know, oh, I am so mentally ill. Yet every single day of the week on millions and millions of sites in millions of offices around the world, people walk in and go, you go, all right, yeah, Sam, I'm stressed. I'm really stressed, actually. You know, and what are we doing? Why are you really stressed? Because if you're saying you're stressed, you're putting your body under this immense amount of pressure, it will eventually lead, if it hasn't already or isn't already, to mental illness. It's, it's funny you should say that. That, that. That's basically a matter of semantics, isn't it? Yeah. Stress say, seems acceptable, S- almost almost like a badge of honour. I'm yeah. stressed because stress. my, my job is very important. Chest beating. Whereas stress, what, you, you've got a bit of a problem. Oh, no. Are you anxious about something? No, 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 I'm not, I'm not anxious. No. You, is, is it, do you feel under par? Do you feel depressed about something? No, 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 no. What? Yet you're stressed. What? You know, that's... So, I don't know. You know, it is semantics, of course, yeah, but there's a reality there, isn't there? You've, you've, mentioned, well, you've mentioned several times the subject of both sleep and of nutrition. Yes. Th- th- this goes back to what you were saying about you can't wrap people in cotton wool. And I, no. you know, very few sites, unless it's there for a long while and it's a very big site, mm. don't have canteens, so you yeah. can't regulate yeah. what people are eating no, and that absolutely. sort of thing. I mean, I, I was with Caterpillar in Malaga a couple of weeks back, and they were talking about some of the, you know, they're actually sort of putting monitors in cabs and machines mm. to check for tiredness. And that oh, sort of okay, thing. yeah, that's great. I think we've come a long way as an industry. I mean, I was, I was on a site recently, and I, it was a Rob Collard site, mm. and went to the loo, and there was a chart on the wall, basically, almost like a paint colour chart. Oh, for your if, you're, if your pee's that colour, you're yeah. dehydrated, you need so, to have a drink. Yeah. Can we do that? Can we do something similar for, not necessarily for mental health, but, but for sleep? You know, did you get enough kit? Did yeah. You, and, and, you know, what are you having for, for your lunch or whatever, you know? Yeah, I think you can. I think, I think you can, but only the same way that there'll be 50 people who'll go through that toilet and have a wee, and it'll look like carrot juice, and they'll go, ah, it always does. I have three cups of tea a day and four pints when I get home. The same way that if we put something up there to say, you know, if you can try and have a decent bit of breakfast in the morning so that you, you've got some energy for the day, and if you can try and eat this, that, and the other, rather than this, that, and the other, it will give you more energy. You know, you'll feel more energetic. You won't have that lull. You won't have that sleep. We're not, we're not going to turn the Titanic that is the ageing industry that we're in, I don't think. We'll turn a few. There'll be a few people that will turn. But as an industry, the demolition industry, we only sat the other day at the AGM talking about how we're going to get fresh blood into this industry. We're talking about new streams of employment. How are we going to get this industry turning around? So why don't we start with them and not let them follow the Titanic that is the ageing industry, which has created the industry, which is fantastic, and the experience we need that's sailing off into the distance. But... It's the same as the smoking thing for me, isn't it? You know, people are, you've got to stop the people from start smoking rather than try and stop the people that have been smoking for 40 years. It's trying to stop it and see, you know, create that cessation early on. There's also 
a societal change around nutrition and health, which I think is helping us. You will have seen a stock change in some of the guys, a lot of the guys. I see a lot of the guys now on site and they are health conscious. They are very much into their fitness. They're very much into their nutrition because image is playing a big part. And whilst I think, whilst I know social media is a massive negative effect on mental health, um, not only the physical attributes of laying in bed with the blue lights of the screen glaring into your eyes, you know, turning that chemical that's trying to send you to sleep back on again because it thinks it's daylight, so you, you know, the whole cycle starts again. Um, but the, the constant fear of missing out, the what if, what if, I should look like that, I should be like this, it's got a positive effect in so much as creating a wave of healthier eating, more knowledge around alcohol. As a, as a demographic, the millennium demogra- millennial demographic, uh, 25% uh, uh, teetotal or will have one or two good quality drinks on a night out rather than, you know, like we probably did, 12 pints of, of snake bar and black, you know, and then a howling great big kebab afterwards. So it's all moving and there's, there's, there's a core, I think, that's moving through with it and there's a core of business that's moving through with it. Really positive stuff. And I'm not here, sitting here for a second saying that everything that everyone else is doing is wrong. Because I love a bag of chips and I, you know, I love a couple of pints every now and again and the whole thing that goes with it. But if we can just acknowledge that your sleep chart would be an ideal thing, wouldn't it? You know, next to your wee chart. Does your wee look like this? And incidentally, if you get this many hours sleep, you're 25% less likely to get cancer. It's actually 40% or something ridiculous. Less likely to get cancer because if you're asleep between these periods of the time, in this particular sleep mode, that's when the cancer cells start getting chewed up by the cancer-fighting cells. If you wake up before that, then you don't. Hence why night working on the World Health, World Health Organization lists is deemed as a possible carcinogen because of the absolute severe effects of sleep deprivation. You will lose weight if you sleep properly. If you stop eating at six o'clock at night and you have your breakfast at 8 or 9 in the morning rather than eating at 10 and eating at 6 in the morning as soon as you get up you'll have more time to digest you'll get a better sleep your health will improve because your body has time to repair everything all things that might seem absolutely pointless and no one's going to do them but just these little small changes you get your gut right which is your first brain your second brain which is your brain brain will follow if you've got a decent microbiome you're not putting as much pressure on your, your brain if you like because you you know your gut's healthy your brain's healthy it's incredible it's an incredible science but we don't need everybody to know or be as boring about it as I am because all I've done is I've read books that I think might be relevant to me you know Matthew Walker Why We Sleep Dr Chatterjee uh, Four Pillars talks about stress talks about a nighttime routine turning your computers off and your screens off before you know an hour before you go to bed What's the hardship in not looking at your screen? If you go to bed at 10, what, really, genuinely, what's going to happen if you don't look at your computer screen or your phone from 9 till 10 o'clock at night? What definitely is going to happen is you're going to sleep properly. Your body's going to know it's night time and you're going to go to sleep, you know. Training Talk is a Demolition News radio production. 